Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Home for the Holidays. For some of us, Christmas time can trigger an array of feelings like nostalgia, joy, and togetherness. And for the rest of us, the holidays can be summed up in two words, dysfunctional family. Whatever side you're on, this series will show you how to become a better husband, wife, mother, or father, and how to build on these relationships by putting Christ in the center. If you were here last week, you know we talked to the men about marriage, and this week we're talking to, anybody? That leaves the women. Thank you, the ladies. All right. Process of elimination. Come on, come on fellas, help me out here. A lot of, got a lot of comments from last week. Most of them were, let's just wait till next week. Um, that was kind of the gist of it. I know men are hoping for the best here. And uh, so we are going to talk to the ladies, but guys, bear with me. I, I do tend to throw us under the bus a little bit today, um, as I was told after the first service, um, loudly. But uh, there, there are some things that you ladies need to know about us. So we're going to be very honest. But turn with me first to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to pick up right where we were last week. We're going to use this same set of scriptures that Paul, when he's speaking to the church at Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 5, very clearly about some things, and uh, we're going to break this down. So Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and a wife must respect her husband. Let's pray together. God, it is our desire to be honest and open today. God, I ask that you prepare each one of our hearts to hear, not just the ladies, but men, those who are not married, those who are married again, those who will be married one day, if that is your will to be done in their lives. God, speak to each one of us today. Your word is profound, and it says so much in this area. God, speak to each one of us today. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. So just a little disclaimer. This is a PG sermon today. It is a PG sermon. So um, if you have not talked about the S word with your kids, you may, you will after this sermon. I'll just put it that way, okay? Um, I'm not going to be grotesque or anything like that, but it it probably will it will be brought up at some point during this sermon when we're talking to the women about marriage. You know it's coming, right? So, just to start off, I do need a continuation, uh, tell you the continuation of the McDonald's story from last week. Um, I didn't think there would be a continuation, but there was. So, if you weren't here last week, 
went there, dreamlike morning, ordering the two for three sausage egg McMuffins. Doesn't get much better than that. So I ordered those last week. I get them here. I'm ready to dive into it. Neither one of them have egg on it. You know, question last week, how, how do you make that? Picture in front of you, four items, you missed one. Okay, so didn't get them. I was upset. So today I decided I'm going to give them another chance. Go through the line, unencumbered, no <laughs> Connect Church people in front of me, which is good. So I, I went through the line, go through that first one, pay my, pay my respects and my dues, coming through, get to the second line. The lady hands me the bag, fighting the urge, but I had to ask. I said, uh, ma'am, is there egg on these McMuffins? Before she said anything, a woman walks in behind her, leans out and says, sir, there are eggs on your McMuffins this week. I said, uh, thank you, ma'am. So we either have a mole or she comes to our church. Um, so I take away from that either you might say, you need to be careful what you say up there, or I look at it as if I preach it, it comes true. So that's, that's kind of, that's the way I look at it. And that really plays into today's message, ladies. So I'm going to try to bring it, pack it with a punch. So if you'll just believe everything I say and do it, all marriages will be wonderful after today. All right. Um, so last week we talked about four things that God intends for, uh, men to know about women. And we talked through those four things. So I was thinking about, golly, I need, how many do I need for the men? You know, if I do three, then the women will get mad because there's not enough. And if I do too many, then you'll make fun of the men because there has to be more, whatever it goes either way. So I, I crammed all 150 things that I wanted you to know about us into four categories. All right. So we're going to have four today, four things women um, should know about men, four things that women should know about men. And the first one is this, men pull away to feel autonomous. Men pull away to feel autonomous. Now for women, it can be difficult for you to understand that men need space from you, even if we love you. Okay. When a guy starts to back away, you may worry or even panic that you did something wrong, or you may even think his love has come to an end. Now there are two things that may be going on here. All right. One is simply this, and I know this is difficult for you to comprehend ladies, but this is the absolute truth. When you ask us, what are you thinking? And we say nothing. We really mean that. There is no hidden agenda. There's nothing else going on. We can absolutely sit still and think nothing. Amen, fellas? Right? Many of you are doing that right now. I know it. I can see it on your faces. The fog descended over your eyes when I said, I'm talking to the ladies. You checked out. You said, I'll be back in an hour. I am gone from here. It's a gift that God gave us. Right, fellas? So the other thing is, if we're not thinking about nothing, then we're probably processing something. And it's probably having to do with a conflict that we've had with you, 
Okay? Or it may be something that happened at work, but we may be processing. So to pull away may look like something is really, really wrong, but it may be just to find that sense of self again. The truth is you believe these things because when you take space, it does mean something's wrong most of the time. Men are different. A man takes space away from his wife or or significant other, if you're dating, to simply come back to his sense of self. To just come back to himself. It may be that you're just too much for me to handle. It may be that. It may be that for that one time. But there is finding a sense of self that's important. Women have a larger capacity for emotional intimacy than men. It's what you're made for. You're deeply connected relationships. You have those all over the place. Not only with uh, the man in your life, but also your girlfriends. You have deeply connected relationships. So while men love feeling bonded with our women, we also have a strong desire for autonomy and independence. This is part of what makes us men. So it's not uncommon for a man to back away after being deeply connected. It's actually a good thing. When that happens, the space allows him to come back to his sense of self so he can re-engage with you in a solid way. Some writers have talked about the cave that men go into, right? We come home from work. It's been a difficult day. It's heavy. Some things have happened there. And instead of engaging with people, i.e. family, we might grow silent. We have entered the cave, right? Or if we've had an argument with you ladies, we're going to enter that cave to find our sense of self again. It's about finding manhood and finding out who we are and being okay on our own two feet. It's really necessary for us to do. A man is likely to approach you ready for more love if you respect his space. And know that the distance is uh, not necessarily, does it mean that something is wrong? It's simply his way of feeling like a man again which makes him even more available for a deeper connection with you. The second thing, the second thing I want you to know, ladies, that men would rather feel unloved than inadequate, than inadequate or disrespected. Men would rather feel unloved than inadequate or disrespected. Men love your wives. Women respect your husbands. It doesn't say men love and respect your wives and women love and respect your husbands. Paul's very clear. Men love your wives. Women respect your husbands. Why isn't it that way? Because we don't have the capacity to do that. He commands us to do that. We have to choose to do that. Men, we have to choose to love our wives because it doesn't come naturally. Women, you have to choose to respect your husbands because it doesn't come naturally. A couple weeks ago, I'm uh, in my office, and a couple comes in to see me at the office. And they come in with an infant in the carrier. Okay? My immediate thought, inside voice, it's not coming out. Inside voice is, oh my gosh, this is going to be the longest 50 minutes I have all day. How are we going to get anything done with this baby in the room? Right? My partner, who's a female, actually comes out to get her next client. And does this weird goo goo gaga thing with this baby. Oh, she's so cute. Blah, 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 blah. What's her name? All this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is awful. This is going to take longer than it normally takes. And I'm going through all these things in my mind. 
But when the man stands up, what do I do with him? Anybody? Talk back and forth. Well, what do we do, man, when we see each other? Shook his hand, right? You thought I was going to punch him in the face or something? No, I shook his hand. Why'd you bring your kitten? No. Um, I shook his hand. That's what we naturally do. Show him respect. Never met him before in my life. Showed him respect. Carter didn't shake anybody's hands. I didn't shake the wife's hand. Because we naturally respect one another. Women naturally have this love and this innate desire to love. So we see things differently. So husbands need to know that their wives respect them both privately and publicly. Men thrive when they know that their wives trust them, admire them, and believe in them. Research indicates that men would rather sense the loss of loving feelings from their wives than be disrespected by them. Ladies, he needs to know that you're on his, camp, on his side, in his camp, heart and soul. He wants you to support him. He wants you to believe in him. My examples might be fixing something around the house, right? This is how it goes. We may not all be Mr. Fix-It, but if something breaks, we want the opportunity to take a stab at it. It doesn't matter what it is, but we're thinking to ourselves, I might can fix that. The roof just caved in, but I, I think I might can fix that. I, I got a new set of tools last year. I, I could probably pull this off. It's a challenge, ladies. So the worst thing we can hear is, really? Really, what are you going to do? You've just said to us, this is what we've heard. You're an idiot. And you know, you don't even know what you're doing. Let's call another man who does. Yeah, that feels really good, ladies. That feels really, really good. So how do you know if you've disrespected your husband? How do you know if you've disrespected your boyfriend in these situations? Well, there's a a barometer for this. There's a way to, to measure it, to see it. And it's something that we are gifted at as men. And we use it in different capacities. But it's one word, and that is anger. Anger. That's what happens to us when we feel disrespected. It looks a lot of different ways for different men. It may be silent anger. It may be outright getting after it, anger, tearing something up, shooting something, whatever it may be. We, we get angry. And ladies, most of you think that during a conflict that you have a legitimate reason to break down and cry. You think it's your right to do that. And it may be from time to time. So is anger for him his way of responding? Most would think it's a lack of control. Or behaving improperly. In the book Love and Respect, Dr. Egricks writes that in a relationship conflict, crying is often a woman's response to feeling unloved, and anger is often the man's response to feeling disrespected. So, anger, when we use it, and we use it often, men, we have to admit that, because we're unlikely to blurt out that you're disrespecting me. We're just not going to say that to our wives. We're not going to look at you and say, you know, you're disrespecting me right now. No, we're going to fly off the handle. We're going to slam a door like a 13-year-old. And we're going to get angry about it and not talk about it. On the other hand, ladies, you don't mind wailing out, you don't love me anymore. That's how you communicate. You say things. And what we need as far as respect goes is to be shown that respect, 
not told that we're respected. First Peter chapter three, verse one says, wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. So it's showing respect. We're going to talk about that. I'm asked so much about how do I respect him? I know what's coming next. He doesn't deserve my respect. He doesn't deserve it. Even when you're not particularly lovable, your man needs you to demonstrate respect for him. We live in this, do- this love-dominated society that we should love unconditionally and respect should be earned. And that gets to be kind of confusing. That women can think that we should love unconditionally, but we should earn their respect. Well, Ephesians 5.33 doesn't say that. It says, and the wife must respect her husband. And then it has that period at the end of it. Not if he deserves it or if he earns it or if he does his part. Men need unconditional respect. They need to be respected for who they are. The husbands, the fathers, not for what they do. Remember, we give what we want to receive. Men love your wives. Women respect your husbands. So according to the scripture, this is not something he earns. It's something you do. Ladies, that's a choice. A choice that you make. A choice that you make out of reverence for God and love for your husband. Remember, we don't always feel loving toward you, but we're expected to love you, aren't we? Some of you even ask, pointing at your husband, could you respect that? And that catches us in this thing I call the cycle. It's a cycle because it just continues to go around and around and around. Your husband, your man doesn't give enough love to you. So you don't give him enough respect. Which causes him to back away, trying to find himself again. So you don't give him any more respect. And he begins to pull away more. And this cycle continues. But it only takes one of you to get that right. It only takes one of you to break that cycle and it falls down and becomes linear again. If you stop tearing him down and talking down to him, I can guarantee you that there will be a change. There will be a change in your life. So what does it look like? What does it actually look like? Women, you respond to the words that we say. And last week we talked about communication and how you respond to the words that we say. However, even though you like to hear, I love you, that doesn't work quite the same for us. We don't respond to, oh, honey, I respect you so much. Doesn't do much. Respect his opinions. Respect his decision making. We don't want you to stand by and not say anything, but please show some trust to us by believing in what we say. Call on your husband, your boyfriend for a specific subject. Find something you know he's good at. Show him respect in that and put it to the test. See what happens. The common thing is this. You ask for your husband's opinion, right? You're in the closet. The trying on clothes thing. You know, this, this other church families do this. I know our church probably doesn't run into these things. But your wife's in there. She comes out. How's this look, baby? And man, we go a million different directions here, right? 
The one direction we would like to go to is like Jesus come back before I have to answer this, right? Because, because for that ultimate question of does my butt look big, you know, you could say, well, I don't think it's the pants that's doing that, but that's probably not the way to do it either, right? I wouldn't say that if I were you. Don't even write that down. Forget I said it. Let's just clear that one out. But she asked how, how does this make me look or how does this look or blah, 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 blah. And you are given a question. So you go into problem solving mode as a man, problem solving. Yeah, it looks fine. You're also thinking we've got to be somewhere in two minutes ago. Okay. And you're thinking that looks fine, baby. It looks good. Everything looks good on you. It looks good. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That's what you're thinking. So you're trying your best to bring it down. Okay. Um, okay. That, that looks good. And then she says, well, I don't know. And changes into another outfit and, and we start over. And then again and again and again. So what is going on here is that you are problem solving and she's processing. And most of the time, she's going to go with what she likes. If you haven't caught on to that, she's probably going to choose the thing that she wants to wear. Most men feel like their opinions are valued in every area of their lives except at home. Women, you fall into the trap of ordering him around like one of the kids sometimes. You fall into that, that trap of, of like he's the, the next child on the agenda. Do this, do this, do this. And he gets that same thing. A couple years ago when it, um, it snowed, and everybody should remember that because it, it was the last time it snowed here. So it should draw a you know, memory for you. It was in February, and it actually snowed on my middle daughter's birthday for her party. I was like king of the world because I told her I prayed for snow for a party and it came to fruition. And um, so it was really cool. But anyway, it snowed. And, and if, you're, if it's like this at your house, when we have parties, you know, we add on to the house and, and we do big things to getting ready for parties. So, you know, a lot of cleaning, a lot of work has to be done. We had changed these two beds out and um, this twin bed. So we had these mattresses in the hallway. So I needed to get those moved. So I moved them into the garage that night. And uh, just to kind of get them out of the way. Well, well, prior to that, I'd left my truck outside. It snowed that whole evening. So there's piles of snow on the truck. And I thought, man, that looks so cool. I'm being a guy. And I'm looking at it, just kind of admiring it, going, well, the truck looks good in snow. And um, so I pulled the truck up into the garage and, and park it in there. And um, next morning, I walk out in the garage. And if you did not know this, snow will melt in the garage when it's on the truck. And it also, when it melts, it turns to water. And mattresses are kind of like sponges, okay? You know where I'm going. So I walk out there and I see that the mattresses had been sitting by my truck and had drawn some water up in them. What's going through my mind is, I hope she doesn't come out here. You know, that's what's going through my mind. I'm thinking, golly, what, what a stupid thing I did there. I wasn't thinking about that because I was thinking about the party. I was thinking about what needed to be done next. So I got those in the right place. So I get one of those. I set it up on my truck and I get this heater and it go in and some fans and thinking maybe she won't come out here. And then the door opens and, um, and Lisa walks out there. She comes up next to me and I'm just waiting on it. She says, um, I don't need to say anything, do I? I said, no, you don't. And she walked back inside. She gave me a gift, you know, because I'm thinking what she's thinking 
is you're an idiot for putting those out there. She'd never say that to me. Not going to throw her under the bus. She would never say that to me. But sometimes we hear that, don't we, men? Don't we hear that, that at the end of the sentence, at least not cut up about this, is why don't you put you idiot at the end of that? Don't we hear that sometimes, man? We get talked to like a child. It happens in every family. And we do it, man, we do it back to our wives sometimes too, that we should finish the sentence with you idiot, but it's not actually there. It's just insinuated. Do I need to put that on the end of it, you idiot? You know, it's just there. It's just there. So what if he's disappointed me though? How can I respect him if he's disappointed me? I don't want to show him respect. Find something that you can respect him in. Find something and start there. Start there. Number three, men have a fear of measuring up. This is going to be the one that's hard to hear, fellas. As I know, talk about insecurities. And the last thing we want to do is talk about insecurities, right? It just doesn't always go well for us. But we have a fear of measuring up. Men are afraid that they aren't cutting it in life. We just aren't getting there. Not just at work, but at home, in our role as a husband. They may never vocalize it, but inwardly, they are secretly vulnerable. The antidote to this, affirmation. Affirmation. To men, affirmation from their wives is everything. If they don't receive this affirmation from their wives, they'll seek it elsewhere. When they receive regular and genuine affirmation from their wives, not flattery, by the way, they become much more secure and confident in all areas of life. Affirmation cannot have tails on it, though. This is what I mean. Husband comes into the kitchen, sees that it's not quite finished after supper. So he decides he's going to take it on, right? And he's so proud as he's doing it, cleaning up. Puts everything away, gets the rag, even wipes the counters. Women, you're thinking, oh, I wish he lived in my house. So you're, you're wiping and you stand back like you have just built the Empire State Building with your bare hands. I mean, angels are singing. It's just an amazing feeling. Look what I have done. This is absolutely amazing. Your wife walks in. She sees what you have done. She's like, oh, honey, thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing that. Are those crumbs under the coffee pot? Are you serious? Crumbs under the coffee pot? Who cares if they're crumbs under the coffee pot? I can't do anything. I'm such a failure in your eyes. And what you basically said and what we basically heard is thank you. You tried and failed. That's what we heard. That just kills the insecurity. Inside this tough exterior, we're not all that strong. Men have this self-doubt thing that goes on all the time. What if they know that I'm not sure? What if they pick up on the fact that I don't really know what I'm doing? What if they find out? We do this so much even in storytelling, especially about sports. I heard it all morning. A couple of football games that were kind of big yesterday. No big deal, right? Things going on. But I hear these guys talking back and forth. And it's always, did you see? Did you see that play? Nine times out of ten, the other guy, what does he say? Yeah, I saw it. 
whether you did or not. You saw it, right? I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be found out that I secretly am watching ballet, well, ballet or something. I mean, I don't want people to know that I didn't see that play. What if they think I'm not one of them? What if they think I'm, I'm not a sports fan? It can happen in every subject in life. We don't want to be an imposter. Many times in life, we feel like we just don't belong. My oldest daughter, she dances. And it'd be like me putting on a leotard. I just lost all of you there, didn't I? Um, don't picture that, but just go with me with the illustration. All right, so I put on this leotard. I show up at the recital and I go barreling out on the stage and start dancing with everybody. I'm not going to fit in, Right? I mean, just the leotard in itself is probably going to bring about an arrest of some sort, you know, but it, I'm an imposter. I don't belong there. Ladies, we feel like that in so many areas of our lives. We have this tough outer shell. We want to, to, for you to think that we know what we're doing, but we don't always. But you're the secret behind that for us. At our core, we want to tackle new things. We want to climb Mount Everest. We want to bungee jump. We want to jump out of planes. We want to fight the dragon. We want to do all those things. But underneath, the thought of failing is excruciating. It is overwhelming. We feel as though we're always being judged. So ladies, if the dryer tears up, if the budget gets out of whack, or if one of your tires is low, if your husband walks in with some tool belt on, a spreadsheet and a tire pump, let him do it. Even though you're thinking you're an idiot, you're never going to get this right. Don't say it. He knows you probably feel that way. But affirm him, encourage him. We want to take on Mount Everest, but we also know that humiliation is right around the corner. If he's not able to pull it off, leave it alone. And please don't announce it in public. That is the worst thing that you can do. And you get to that party. You're like, hey, I had a dryer tour this afternoon. You should have seen Bozo over here in his tool belt. He thought he could fix it. <laughs> Does not end well. That cave is dark, it's deep, and it's very quiet and soundproof, ladies. That's where we're going to go. Leave father and mother, the text says. Sometimes we think as men... Leave the story of the past behind. Leave it as far back as we can because we can become something else or somebody may find us out. So, so many times early on when I was in the ministry and uh, you know, right out of college, kind of part of college, and I was you know, green minister, youth minister, and I'd go back to Brunswick and we might be walking around the mall and people from high school I'd run into, they'd be like, man, what you doing now? I'm a minister. Really? That didn't feel good, you know? And I'm thinking, please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Don't tell any stories. Please don't say anything that I did. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. All these insecurities would just overwhelm me. Like, you know, again, Jesus come back right now, right now, or just kill him. And then we can just move on. (laughs) One or the other, get me out of this situation. It's just an awful, awful feeling. So at work, men feel the burden of being the provider for their family. And intellectually, in our mind, it doesn't matter how much or little a man makes or whether or not his wife makes more or less money in a career. Men simply bear the emotional burden of providing for their family. It's not a burden they've chosen to bear. 
Men are simply wired with this burden. It's never far from our minds. It can result in the feeling of being trapped. So this fear of failure may be what gets him out of bed many mornings or keeps him going to the gym. Sometimes the long hours aren't always necessary for the job, but they may be necessary to keep the fear of failing, the fear of falling behind or the fear of losing the job. It's about fear. And wives, you can't release us as husbands from this burden. You can relieve it through a healthy dose of appreciation, encouragement, and support, though. So at home, we feel that there's only one measure of success, ladies. There's only one measure of success. People may say that we are good husbands or good fathers, but do you know how we measure success at home? We base it on the happiness and respect of our wives. You can imagine if he feels so insecure how your encouragement and attaboy attitude could set him on a course for success. You can also see how tearing him down or receiving the cold shoulder translates into you got it wrong again. Affirmation is everything. In the book of Proverbs, the adulterous woman did not entice the man with sex, not just sex. She threw her arms around him and with a brazen look, she said, I've offered my sacrifices and just finished my vows, but it's you I was looking for. With this flattery, she enticed him and he followed her at once. When a man is affirmed, he can conquer the world. When he is not, his confidence is shattered. A man will seek out places where he finds affirmation. Man, we surround ourselves with people who say, good job. We surround ourselves with people who look at us and go, man, you know what you're doing, don't you? I like you. We find people who will do that. If my wife believes I can do something, watch out world, here I come. And number four, guess what it's about? It's pretty simple. Men want more sex. I couldn't think of any other way to phrase that. Flower it up, dance around it. It's just the way it is. Men want more sex. Now, dating couples, this has nothing to do with you (laughs) at all. Scripture's pretty plain about it. That God designed sex for marriage. In a marriage, it's like a fire in a fireplace that's very safe. But outside of the fireplace, it can do a lot of damage. So dating couples, people who are not dating and will be one day, this is for marriage. So look forward to it. Treasure it. Keep the gift that God has given you and take care of it. Watch out for it. So everyone's natural response to men want more sex is, duh. But that response is probably for the wrong reason. We primarily assume that men want more sex with their wives due to their physical wiring, the need, right? Let me throw something out at you, women. We can't die from it, not having it, that is. And you women say, well, I'm well aware of that. He'd been dead a long time ago if it was that way. Some of you ladies think it's a biological urge that he can do without. Not the case either. It's so much more than a physical need. 
It is emotional. It is as emotional of a need as his sudden silence would be for you. You ask that question, why isn't he talking to me? How many times did you call your mom early in marriage or this week? He's not talking to me. He won't say anything to me. He won't talk about anything. Your need to communicate, it's like life and death for you. His silence would be and is dangerous to your marriage. And not having sex is wounding him. Research shows that the reason men want more sex is because of their strong need to be desired by their wives. Men simply need to be wanted. We want to be wanted. And the worst feeling is to want to want. The worst feeling is to want to want. Regular fulfilling sex is critical to a man's sense of feeling loved and desired. If we go back to inadequacies, guess what stands as the reset button? In all of our insecurity, if a man feels wanted and desired sexually, it solves all feelings of loneliness and gives him the strength and well-being to take on the world. Almost all men would say that being sexually gratified is not enough. We want to feel wanted. So this means that if you are not engaged and satisfied, neither are we. Sex makes us feel loved and desired. When life is happening and a man feels as though his wife wants him sexually and saves energy for it, it becomes the most clear and forceful means of communication than any other. Remember, we are insecure. After fighting the fight all day at work, Working in an environment that is isolating and scary at times, making love is the solution to that loneliness. That's the most vulnerable place a man can be and feel like he can measure up. It goes very deep into the heart of a man. When men feel like their wives desire them sexually, it has a profound effect on the rest of their lives. It gives them an increasing sense of confidence. And well-being that carries over into every other area of his life. The flip side of this coin also carries a profoundly negative effect. When a husband feels rejected sexually, he not only feels his wife is rejecting him physically, but that she is somehow rejecting his life as a husband, as a provider, as a man. Wives, if you're giving the signal that you don't want to, then your husband is walking around with feelings of rejection. Men would rather tear the shingles off the house in a downpour than make love to a wife who is responding out of duty. It's referred to as obligatory sex. I'm obligated to do this because I know the scripture says I should. Remember, he wants you to desire him. If this happens, men here, you can't even compete with my pillow. And I don't care about what happens to you deeply. That's what we hear. This is why making sex a priority in marriage is so incredibly important. And I don't say these things flippantly. And I don't cover this subject flippantly because I know that there are real issues in real life situations that hinder this from happening. Physiological, emotional, biological, all types of things that can go on for us. And 
what I'm saying is, and, and this is where I'm going to end this subject. What I think is most important for husbands to understand and know if there's a problem going on is that you care. That you communicate that to him and say, this is a season that I'm having a problem. And that you seek help for it, whether it's with doctors, whether it's with therapists, whoever it may be, whatever the two of you decide the problem is, talk about it, communicate about it, be open about it. It's awkward. It's awkward for me to stand up here and talk to this about you because you're wishing, is there a fifth point and could you get to it, right? (laughs) We're all feeling that right now because it is awkward, but it's talked about in scripture just as much as money. It is throughout it because God knew it. He foresaw that it was going to be an issue because he knew we were going to fail at it. He knew we were going to pervert it. He knew we were going to use it out of context. He knew we were going to take it out of the fireplace and it was going to burn people and it was going to hurt. All of that combines and and makes into bad situations. So seek help, look for it. Now, I know these four points this week and the four points last week, they're not going to solve your marital problems. What I'm hoping, though, is that maybe we peeled back a Band-Aid. Maybe we were able to even pick off a scab that says we need to deal with this. We need to look at this as a couple. We need to talk about these things. And if you ask me, well, do you think we need therapy? It's like asking a painter if you need your house painted. Of course you need therapy. It helps the business, of course, right? But more so than not, you take your car to get serviced. Why not watch out for your marriage? Protect your family. Seek outside help to look in and be objective and go, you know, y'all are really messing this up. Or good job here. Keep that up. Talk to someone about your marriage. Find another couple to invest in or let them invest in you. I know I've talked a lot in the last two weeks and have not been all that politically correct. I'm not going to apologize for that because I think the scripture is very clear in what it's saying and how we're supposed to lead our marital lives. If we're willing to be moldable by God and shaped by his hands, then he can do amazing things. He is the author of love. But I'm going to end with this. Ladies, do you know what the number one thing that men want their wives to know more than anything else? The number one thing from research, the number one thing that we want you to know, how much we love you. Over a thousand men were asked that question. 97% answered in that way. I just want her to know how much I love her. That song, Just the Way You Are, not a religious song. It's talking about physical attributes. But it's so true. Ladies, we love you just the way you are. Does that mean you throw yourselves away? Nope. You got responsibility of your own. But we love you just the way you are. Ladies, you're more important to us than any other thing on this earth. We would climb Mount Everest for you. There are a lot of mediocre men here because your wives will not support you. Ladies, he desperately wants to lay down his life for you as Christ did for the church. Love him with that expectation and see what happens. Look at him like he's a genius in his field. Respect him in public. Affirm him in private. 
And he will live up to your expectations. Let's pray together. God, we've said some difficult things. We've heard some difficult things. But we know that your word is so true. We know, God, that you want to be the author of love in our relationships. God, it's my prayer today for men and for women, those married, those who aren't married, who will be married one day, if it's your will, God, that you plunder around in our hearts this morning. God, as we begin this process of decorating for Christmas, as we start taking things out of the attic, it is my prayer, God, that we maybe take some things down before we redecorate. Help us to look in our own lives, God, and make room for new decorations, for new things in our lives, for our families, for each other, for ourselves. Make us into the beings that you want us to be, that you designed us to be, to love each other, to respect each other. As we continue through this series, God, we pray that you continue to work in our families, in our homes. That we could transform this community and this world just by doing what you say. We thank you, God, and we love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.